0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. we back to my hometown, back to the same place I was yesterday. I'm coming back to my home, I've got a crock if I
1: don't come. In the fence, town, I'm going to sleep again.
2: Hey everybody! Welcome to Reporting the Eligible. This is a very special episode, mostly because the Packers are done and there's not a draft to talk about. But um, all everybody in my whole family is sick except me, so I'm up on a Friday with nothing to do, and uh, thought we would put together a little NFC, not NFC, NFC and AFC Championship game preview. Uh, help me out to help me out. Here is the managing editor of Acme Packing Company, my boss at the place. Uh, Tex Western, Tex, how you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm Evan Western, but you can call me Tex. Um, thanks for <laughs> setting this up on a on a random uh, a random Friday night that uh, I happen to have free, which doesn't happen very often anymore. So it's it's gonna be an interesting weekend.
2: Yeah, it will. And I am actually very happy that I think the four best teams made it. Um, you can make an argument for the Cowboys yeah. as well, who also were a a good Pythagorean DVOA team, but. I would say I'm not too surprised they got knocked off last week because <laughs> they are, yeah. they're Mike's team, they're his baby, and that's what happens. <laughs> um, but this should be good. I think these are good games, hard to predict. Um, anybody could win either one of them, and they should be you know really interesting and fun to watch. So um, I thought we could maybe start in the NFC, where you know we're we're Packer experts, but to the extent, at least I have a a second level expertise in any team, it probably is the 49ers who I pay. Very, very, very close attention to, I love Kyle Shanahan. Um, he is, He's a little fickle, but uh, he is, I think, the best offensive coach there is for what he gets out of weird talent. Um, they clearly have a thing that nobody else really does the same way. They, they emphasize yak more than anybody else. They have a bunch of unicorns. Debo is a unicorn. Christian McCaffrey is a unicorn. Um, and also, he is maybe a little overrated because the 49er defense is also phenomenal in its own right. Um and yep. that that helps prop them up when they're not quite as good on offense as their reputation maybe holds, so um they play the Eagles who are also very good, also a little bit of a nerdy team. So just let's start off generally like how do you see this one playing out and who do you like in in this game at at, at a high level?
1: Yeah, I, I'm going almost purely on vibes here, just feeling like Philly just feels like they've been the best team in the NFL all season long. And I realized that that San Francisco's numbers since the McCaffrey trade, put them at like number one in DVOA. They are Uh number one in to DVOA also. And I, I <laughs> yeah, I, I get, I get that, but I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like it's a vibe pick to, to go with Philly right now with, um, just with, with the way the numbers are trending, but that's, again, you're, you're, I feel like you can't go wrong picking really either one of these games uh, just based on, like you said, both, both teams in uh, all four teams that are left are in the top five in overall DVOA and weighted DVOA. So um, for once the playoffs actually worked, maybe, maybe not as designed, (laughs) but uh, we we actually have, I, I agree the, the four best teams left.
2: Yep it's actually worked pretty well the last few years uh, i was actually i have like a half written yeah. article that you'll see sometime on this but um usually you have to be like above a 15% dvoa to get in the the last 4 with very few exceptions and when those exceptions happen like the bengal's last year actually were like a negative a slightly negative DVOA um, and not even a very good weighted but you could you can kind of see why it happened especially now in retrospect where they had the quarterback developing into one of the best quarterbacks in the league and a few other guys coming into their own you, you could see how that happened the last couple of teams to really make it this far without being particularly good were the 2019 packers and the the titans of the same year um, they were um, both yeah. pretty mediocre but again with the Packers. First year in a new system. Um, you know, Aaron's learning things and coming into his own. You can see you can see why it happened and why it worked. So um, it's a it's a good predictor. DVOA works pretty well for that. EPA also pretty much on point there, too. Um, I actually yep. I, I see a path to victory for the Eagles. I think if they get out ahead early and make the 49ers have to pass, they can they can make this one happen. But I do like the 49ers in this game for for a couple of reasons. One of which is the Eagles had the best pass defense in the league this year, but they have a just garbage run defense. And uh, this is not a right. good team to have a garbage run defense against, which, you know, the Packers know all too well against the 49ers. Um, they will beat you up on the ground. They will be very atypical in sticking with the run, even when other teams would give it up. And uh, I, I do like them for that reason. And, you know, they can also bring defensive pressure in their own rights. Um the 49ers are very good against number one receivers. They're fourth in DVOA. Um, that helps a lot against the Eagles. who who have, They're deep, but if you can take away their number one, that helps a lot. Um, and the Eagles, while they're number one in pass defense DVOA, uh, they are only 24th against pass-catching running backs and only 22nd against <laughs> slot receivers, whatever you want to consider that. But uh, I consider most of the 49ers receivers slot receivers, so I think it's a little yeah. bit of a rough matchup for them there, too.
1: Yeah, I, I do think if Philly wins this game, it's going to be on the strength of their defensive line uh, and the pass rush. And like you said, the the, the key for them is going to be getting out to a hot start early, getting out to a lead, forcing uh, the 49ers into a little more drop back passing. And I saw enough signs from Brock Purdy against the Cowboys <laughs> that I think if if you if you get some some pressure and you get him into situations where he just has to drop back and pass and can't be so reliant on on play action that he he might actually make some mistakes. They just haven't been in that situation with him at quarterback basically since he took over uh in any of these games that that he's played and started and and that the Niners have won.
2: Yeah. And that would be um an astute observation brock Purdy had that problem in college too where he was one of the most accurate passers in college football pretty much every year he played uh, in terms of just raw completion percentage uh but he didn't do a ton of work downfield he was very conservative and he was also one of the most prone to turning it over when when he got down and he actually had to create plays on his own there's a lot of running, a lot of mad scrambling, and a lot of forcing the ball in where it shouldn't be. So um if the Eagles do get him once or twice, that wouldn't be that surprising. And I, I do think that's that's a way they can turn this one around, too. And uh Kyle is Kyle's good, but there's only so much you can do with uh, you know, seventh round draft picks or whatever Brock Purdy was. Mr. Yeah. Irrelevance, and
1: Right. And there's enough uh, weak links, I think, or weaker links on the San Francisco offensive line, especially on the interior. Um, And that's an area where the the Eagles are also good. They have, I mean, what was it? Four guys with 10 sacks or more this year. And I mean, Fletcher Cox is about as good an interior pass rusher as you're going to get. I I would actually love to hear your, your thought on this. I've been seeing some discussions about... Is interior pass rush mm-hmm. more valuable than edge pass rush right now? And and maybe it's maybe it's partly given the quality of offensive tackles across the league that that's part of it, and and that interior linemen tend to not be very good pass blockers. Yeah, or, or at least relatively speaking. Or you know maybe there's there's just something to offensive schemes or, or quarterbacks, but it, it does feel like the teams that end up with you know an elite pass rush group have to have an elite interior rusher to to make that function
2: yeah I, I saw i saw that too it was either timo or eager was putting that out there um, yeah the other day and i actually agree with that uh, i kind of think it's been true for a while um it's it's just that it takes a while for people to catch up and measure things but it makes a lot of sense if you just think about it on its own for one thing Interior pressure is very disruptive. Like the the whole way that quarterbacks play the position is when they feel pressure outside, they step up to avoid it. Uh, if you can take that away as as a weapon, um, it just destroys the play completely. Um, and if you get interior pressure, it has side benefits. Uh, it it helps out the edge rushers by giving them more alleys. It disrupts the interior protections by having them have to, your first responsibility, you know, is to slide over to the inside. It's not to take the outside. It's always inside first. Um, it, it helps out everybody behind them inside linebacker wise. A- and uh, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like it does make a lot of sense and everybody does put money into stopping the edges. Um, it's a uh, uh, more athletic quarterbacks. Also, I think help neutralize the edges a little bit. Like uh, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with, the, the realization over time that sacks are more of a quarterback stat than they are an offensive line yeah. stat or a defense stat. Like most sacks happen because quarterbacks are having a play breakdown and they're running and scrambling to keep things alive and not getting the ball out or throwing it away. And that's edge sacks, you know, uh, up the middle pressure is a different animal. And uh, mm-hmm. that, that is much more on the line the, the actual DL uh, himself than on the quarterback or anybody else. So, I agree with it. I think it's true. And it also, I think, shows up in who we think of as sort of the best defensive players of the last, like, decade. Aaron Donald being, you know, first and foremost, but also J.J. Watt in his prime. Uh, And when he was at his best, he was on the inside. He was getting all those crazy tipped interceptions and just blowing up nose tackles. Um, From that sort of star perspective, makes a lot of sense, too. And you're right, the Eagles are awesome up the middle. They're great.
1: Yep, yep. And I just think back to, you know, when the recent Packers defenses have been at their best, it's when Kenny Clark is being a monster and disrupting up the middle. You know, I I keep thinking of games against the Vikings when he's eating Garrett Bradbury's lunch non stop. Um, and that that seems to be when uh, that group as a whole is is functioning at its best. And I think that's also, maybe we didn't do it consciously, but maybe that's a reason why we kept clamoring for more Devontae Wyatt snaps <laughs> when we weren't getting any, you know, when you weren't getting any pass rush productivity out of Dean Lowry, especially when that's the one area where he's supposed to be halfway decent. Yeah. So um, I, 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 for one, am, am very excited to see more Devontae Wyatt next season. I think um, by, by default, he's going to have to end up basically being a starter and um, I still look forward to seeing more Kenny Clark out at like three or five tech as he should uh, be. with with Slayton on the nose because um, Kenny can be a little more disruptive coming in from um, split out uh, in those B and C gaps
2: yep 100% agree and it's really a shame they didn't play Wyatt earlier it's it's just it's not like it's a position mm-hmm. that needs time to develop it uh, it's bizarre justice if it was just justice and I yeah man, like <laughs> that's all I got
1: Yeah. Justice, I mean, Justice and I talked about it every single week on Repack until, uh, until Lowry's injury. And, um, I was doing a radio segment in, uh, with a station in Appleton. And I think every week for about three months, uh, they were asking me, why isn't Devante getting, why getting more snaps? I don't know. I, I, if, if I knew I would, I would call up Jerry Montgomery and and (laughs) tell him to fix it. Like it it just, it was, it was inexplicable this season. So, um, and especially that again, he's he came in as a 24-year-old rookie. He was not supposed to be a raw rookie who needed time to develop. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be the kind of guy who you even if you use him as a rotational player, give him you know 12, 15 snaps a game in on passing downs and let him use the the explosiveness and the get off that he has to to go chase after the quarterback instead of you know constantly throwing Dean Lowry Poor and, and Jaron Reed <laughs> out there. I know. We keep crapping on Dean. And and even though he made maybe one of the the biggest plays of the season with that field goal block against the Bears, but um,
2: yeah. (laughs) He's not the worst player ever. I think we're all. (laughs) He should be a rotational guy. That Dean Lowry is a rotational player in this NFL, not a a every-down starter. Yeah. I I was actually doing, uh, I I have too many half-written pieces right now. I have another one where I was just trying to quantify. Uh, what happened to the 2011 Packer defense? Because the 2010 Packer defense was second in DVOA to the to the Pittsburgh, who they played in the Super Bowl. And they didn't actually change personnel-wise that much from 2010 to 2011, but they fell from second to 32nd overall, which is incredible. Yeah. And part of it's just age. It's like Charles Woodson losing a step and Clay getting hurt a little bit more. But the only really big changes on the the team from a starting perspective were Nick uh, Nick Collins, obviously, Um, and also Cullen Jenkins, who was Mm -hmm. a a starter in 2010 in the interior of that line. Interior
1: pressure. Yes. And and
2: then he left the team, and they weren't as good at generating it anymore. And I think it mattered more than people realized. Um, That team also bizarre for... Um, they had 31 interceptions in 2011, and they had like 24 the year yeah. before, and they led the league both years. But being as bad as they were with that many interceptions is incredible. It's one of the most incredible yeah. defenses of all time.
1: You you mentioned I, – I, I my mind immediately went to Jenkins when you were talking about 2011 yeah. um, and the, the transition there. Um, I, I do think some of the issues that they had on defense were at least in part driven by the fact that the – the, the other team was playing from behind constantly. So they were th- because of that offense being as explosive as it was, other teams were just passing the ball. Uh, I mean, 50 times a game, basically every game. Um, so just by definition, you're going to give up some big plays, I think in the passing game with, with that many opportunities and you're going to get those turnovers too. Um, but it, it's yeah. The, the, the loss of Jenkins, the loss of Collins, um, being the two big, big personnel subtractions. um, Yeah. Those were, those were huge. And I think everybody does think about Collins as being the big absence. uh, When he, when he went down, but, um, but yeah, Colin was, was a really big part of that, that 2010 defense. I mean, he had seven sacks the the Super Bowl year um, and and was a a really, you know, disruptive force. He, he had seven sacks in 11 games. I didn't realize he missed five games that year too. Yeah. He was crazy. Holy crap. Uh, that's yeah for, for an interior lineman. Um, I mean, then he went out and got paid by the, the Eagles. So, so good for him, but yeah, he missed, he missed the last four games of the regular season. I'm looking at his, his game <laughs> logs right now and thank goodness he came back for the, the post but, uh, that's a, that's a, a crazy breakdown.
2: So it really is. I was uh, hmm. trying to quickly and then very slowly pull up defensive stats because the Packers had crazy ones that year, but, uh, uh, darn it. i'm not gonna do it quick enough but they're like just yards per play was stupid insane they gave up a, just a gazillion yards per play and got all those interceptions but uh, my uh yep. my reference is crashing as it does with its video ads so that will have to be a different uh, time um well yeah thir- 32nd in the league in yards in total yards
1: allowed uh 30th in net yards per attempt uh passing yardage 31st in yards per <laughs> drive allowed they, that one's crazy the the Packers offense gained 36 yards per drive in 2011 and their defense gave up 35.9. What one, one of the only reasons that it probably didn't end up being worse in terms of points, I mean certainly points was turnovers made a huge difference yeah. there, but they also had a remarkable difference between uh average start starting field position on offense and defense. The Packers were fourth best in offensive average starting position at their own 30.8 yard line. And defensively their drive started at the own, their own 25.5 yard line, which was third best in the NFL. I think turnovers again, have to drive a huge, huge part of that. Absolutely. But Yeah.
2: All right, we should talk a little bit about. Oh, well, we Eagles got derailed. We did. That's okay. So I, I do yeah. like in the NFC that like quarterbacks are kind of an afterthought for both teams. Uh, the uh, mm-hmm. the AFC is both studs, but uh, Jalen Hurts was a the second round pick, if memory serves, uh, after George yep. Love, same draft, right? Yeah. Um, and they've really gotten, I think, the most out of him. And um, I I like that this has happened because I tweeted the other day, like I think. The NFL used to be sort of 90% quarterback talent, 10% offensive coordinator, and now I think it's more like 60-40, and uh, I think sometimes that comes across as sort of like insulting quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, but I kind of view it more like this, like the default um, system in the NFL for a long time was kind of just like the Tom Brady thing, like you have a a drop back passer who takes three steps and gets the ball out and that's it, Um, and... You don't have to do that. Like College has been running so many different variants on offense for so long, and one of the things you can do is get a guy with some mobility who's still an accurate passer and run some different concepts based on that mobility and have it really work well. And now you, now the NFL has that. And Shani does that a little bit. He's kind of his own thing. But Jalen Hurts is running essentially a college system with great receivers and a great offensive line and it looks like he did in college, uh, which you know he was a phenomenally accurate passer with a good amount of athleticism and, and this is finally starting to work. It actually gives me a lot of hope for the Packers in the future for the first time in a while. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess my, my, my big question is uh, do you? We've seen little blips like this in the past, and I think sometimes the league kind of crushes it back down to basic pocket passers. Uh, do you think this will kind of start to stick a little bit more this time, with more um, more creative offenses starting to actually dominate the league a little bit more?
1: Yeah, I, I think it will in part because of the co- coaches seem more willing to to roll with it and and with you know relying a little more on that mobility um but also because you're consistently getting quarterbacks coming out of college who are more mobile um i mean even thinking of the guys in the afc joe burrow and and patrick mahomes True. aren't your prototypical just straight drop back pocket passers both of those guys um are are still really good athletes and are mobile in their own right uh just just in a different way than than jalen hurts they're more I look at them more as kind of early Aaron Rodgers mobility where they can, they can really navigate through the pocket. And, you know, when, when called upon to to get a first down with their legs or something, they can absolutely do that. Um, and, and so maybe that's the, the trend that you're, uh, that you're going to see a little bit more just in terms of the guys who are playing college, uh, football at the quarterback position at a high level. Um, tend to be better athletes you don't have the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's anymore as your your number one draft picks you have guys like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and uh, Trevor Lawrence who that mobility is part of their game in college and then they bring it over into the NFL and, and you almost have to take advantage of that weapon as a coach because it's such an integral part to what makes them you know an effective college
2: quarterback yeah um I d I'm also I'm looking forward to seeing Lamar Jackson out of Baltimore. Um Greg Roman was actually <laughs> a little bit of a pioneer in getting a lot out of mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, but I I feel like the writing on the wall with him is he is afraid of having them pass. Like Colin Kaepernick was mm-hmm. always very much a uh, run a whole bunch and you can have a one read throw and that is not what coordinators do with mobile quarterbacks anymore. I think Hertz is a really good example of a guy who was a phenomenally yeah. accurate college passer who can run, and they use his feet to drive his legs, or to drive his arm. Um, and poor Lamar is stuck there in, I think, a little bit of an old-fashioned system uh, and really takes a lot of blame for it. Um, he's he's a good passer when he's been allowed to pass and had good receivers, and uh, he's just kind of stuck there with a the guy who's afraid to use him also Tyler. But, yep. uh... <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, and you are mentioning hurts and, and that coaching system. I think it's just interesting that their offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen is, uh, he's a young guy. He's 37 years old. Uh, he came up through the Chargers system as, as a QC coach and then eventually quarterbacks coach and their, um, their offensive coordinator for one year before moving over to Philly last year. And so, he just strikes me as the kind of guy who isn't afraid to um to get crazy and and to (laughs) to challenge a little bit of the the conventional wisdom in um you know in in offensive scheming and and offensive coaching philosophies
2: yep all right last thing i want to mention before we go afc is um we we have we're big debo fans at least i am i I shouldn't talk for you um but yeah as as just a, a yak monster above all else. He's been kind of bad this year, and I think it's worth mentioning that in advance of this game when Debo has been injured on and off, and they haven't really missed anything when he's been out. Uh, When he's been in, he actually has not been uh, even close to as effective as he usually is, and it's worth keeping an eye on because he is, I think, back and relatively healthy, and this may be one of those situations where... Um, it may be a little bit of a downgrade, and Debo is, you know, he's a little like a running back. He takes punishment, and if he doesn't age that well, I won't be that surprised. And if uh, if a little bit of that downgrade sticks on him, I won't be that surprised by that either.
1: Yep, it's one of the. I'm looking at his his advanced stats on on reference right now, and one of the biggest differences for him though this year was his average depth of target was almost half of what it was last year. Um, I'm not sure if that's. A function of of the quarterback of Purdy and and Shanahan trying to 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 drop easier progressions for Purdy I don't know if that's a function of them really relying more so on Debo out of the backfield as a receiver um, a lot more than they did last season but his his yak per reception has only dropped by about a yard yeah. from from 10 to 8.8 but his average depth of target is only 4.3 yards last year it was more than
2: 8 and this might be so quarterback related a, but his catch percentage is really it, tight yes. too like
1: a huge amount. yeah yeah yep so and and my one of my fantasy teams was was very disappointed that uh that he had a major downturn in production this year too so i was i was definitely following his production pretty closely throughout the season and and was uh was disappointed with that. But, um, yeah, it's it, – it, I mean, Brandon Ayuk has been arguably the the better receiver of, yeah. of those two guys and certainly the more explosive of the two uh, this season, which, um, man, would have been great if the so Packers had a guy like Brandon Ayuk. So close.
2: <laughs> Alas. All right. So over on the AFC Ugh. side, uh, the, the Chiefs are there for the umpteenth time in a row because Patrick Mahomes cannot not make the championship game. And uh, the Bengals, I think, with a bit of a surprise this year to get back. Uh, I think uh, last year we sort of assumed they were kind of a year early and that they might have a little bit of regression while they kind of get things together and maybe even a little slump for Burrow. But that has not happened at all. They they have, if anything, Uh gotten better. They've really turned it on the second half of the season. And that offense is just excellent with Burrow playing uh, maybe even, I would say, better than I expected him to. I kind of thought he would be a solid top 10 quarterback coming out of college. Um, And he really is like a top five guy who you can put legitimately Mm -hmm. in MVP conversations. So um, I'm actually not sure where I lean on this game. I think they're very evenly matched. Um, And I I guess I lean chiefs a little bit just on experience. And I do like read creativity, although he shoots himself in the foot plenty too, which gives me some trepidation, (laughs) but I'm like a mild chiefs on this game. How about you?
1: That's kind of where I'm at too. Um, it, I think everybody kind of after those first two weeks when the Bengals started off zero and two, everybody figured, okay, they're you know they were kind of a mirage last year. They're going to be in for, uh, for a, a Super Bowl loss slump season, like so many teams have had uh, in the past, and and like I said, it, it has absolutely been anything but. um what has amazed me is how they've been able to manage to to maintain not just a functioning offense, but a very high functioning offense with as many injuries and issues on the offensive line as they have had. Yeah. Um. The the fact that they're starting Jackson Carmen at left tackle, and you know they're they're Jonah Williams is out, and Lyle Collins is out, and and they've got all these, um, you know, at least decent starting linemen out and are are reverting to backups um and the fact that they've been able to to continue to to rip off whatever it is eight or ten straight wins um that is i think the thing that has impressed me the most about burrow is it seems like he's doing it through um his decision making his quick trigger um getting the ball out really quickly and again his his mobility but i mean i was with you i didn't think he had a the arm strength i feel like on on burrow is is good but not great and Almost always I feel like to be that kind of top five guy, great arm strength usually is one of those those qualities you almost always have to have, maybe Tom Brady aside. Um <laughs> we
2: should just always ignore Tom Brady. He just is
1: not, Yeah. Not worth the the ultimate mind. the ultimate outlier. Right. Exactly. But uh yeah, so that 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 part of it is is Bro has I, I agreed. I, I think he's surpassed my expectations for him, but I also do lean Chiefs ever so slightly, um, even with the the Mahomes injury, because he like like Rodgers can throw off platform and and do everything with his arm that he can do when he's um, you know when he's throwing with good fundamentals mm-hmm. and um, and good footwork. Uh, so I, I I suspect that they won't be limited all that much. And I think that, that Reed will probably put a game plan in that, that gets the ball out of his hands quickly. And even though they don't have a Tyree kill, there's still more than enough playmakers on that offense. I mean, Jarek McKinnon, where did he come from this season, um, to, to be this incredible Swiss army knife weapon out of the backfield for them, especially over the second half of the season. Um, I've always, I, I always thought that maybe that was the kind of player he could be but just with between injuries and and usage and things just never panned out it's how everybody's Um, always tried
2: to use him and it finally worked
1: yeah 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 so um no but i think between that i i think cincinnati's defense is probably a little bit better than kansas city's but kansas city also has a really good front as well um chris jones again talking about interior pass rush yep yep um I, I think I saw a stat in the divisional game that he has never had a sack in thirteen playoff games, which blows my mind. That's amazing. Um <laughs> if if I were a betting person, even though now that now that it's legal here in Ohio, I I haven't gotten into it yet, but uh if I could get odds on Chris Jones having a sack in this game, especially against the um the Bengals offensive line, I would probably take that as my uh as my degenerate. Yeah. Degenerate corner prediction for this week.
2: I will tell you, I'm I'm also not a betting person, but my degenerate wager in this game would actually be first touchdown to MVS. Uh, And the reason for that is, uh, if you want a case for Cincinnati in this game, um, they are the fifth best defense against tight ends which is a great thing to be against Kansas City, where Kelsey is such a big part of the game. They're the second-best team against against pass-catching running backs, which Kansas City uses in spades, and McKinnon being part of that, they're 31st against number two receivers. And um, MVS is maybe a little further down than that, but he's not a number one. He is the, you know, off... Uh, deep ball guy, so um, I, I like him to maybe get a burner early, and that's I I'm, I don't know what the odds are on MVS scoring the first touchdown. I imagine they're quite large, so um, I I do like that bet just as a matchup play early on.
1: I, I like that a lot. Uh, um, let's to, to see if I can find that one real quick while we're uh, <laughs> while we're going here. Let's see, uh, MVS. Oh yeah, uh, even first touchdown score for Kansas the city he's going off at plus a thousand all right so you're getting 10 to 1 odds there <laughs> I like it
2: so yeah that, that's fine um and uh KC doesn't really do anything um to really slow down the uh the Cincy offense that well they're actually 31st against number one receivers which is a bad thing to be against um Cincinnati who has uh, whoever you want to count as their number one uh, either way is <laughs> just fine yep Anyway. Oh, I can't find the uh, I can't find the player props
1: on sacks, so ah, we'll have to Well, we'll have to worry about it later. Oh wait, no, there it is. Hold on, let's see. Chris Jones uh, over one sack, almost even odds. Well,
2: I'd still oh, take it. Okay, surprised. So. It's a, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Should we should we do some questions? Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely, or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropG pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG pod wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, let's do it. We have quite a few considering how hastily we threw this together, so... Um. Uh, as always, through the uh, off season into the regular season with the baseball podcast, I also do. Uh, if, if you are a member of our Patreon, you get question priority. And five of you were not doing anything on a Friday night, for which I thank you. <laughs> we'll we'll start with uh, PJ Wessels. How many of the Forty ers quarterbacks will be with the team next season, Week One? Looking at Lance, Jimmy G, and Purdy. Uh, if John, if Josh Johnson is there next season, well, good for him. <laughs> that's
1: a good question that's good um, um i think i think it's two um i think purdy's there no matter what and i think purdy is probably the starter i think so too uh
2: you think lance is still there just based on I don't, the contract
1: i think i think that's i think lance sticks around i don't think that you can feasibly move him before you know year three of that deal yeah and jimmy will go you know finally go off someplace and <laughs> <laughs> and right off into the sunset with his sandwiches or something. You, you and can Josh never... Johnson will uh Josh Johnson will not play not be with the 49ers next year. He'll probably play for um I'm gonna guess the Cardinals and the Commanders and the Dolphins. I don't know if he's he's hit those three teams yet, but <laughs> I think he's gonna try to, to check those three off his bingo card off. next year
2: yep I, yeah. I I agree with you um I will say you can never put it past Kyle to bring back Garoppolo they seem to they, yeah. they seem to have a thing but I agree like you, you got Purdy here you ride that you've got to keep Lance on that deal plus you can't get anything for him right now like if there, there's not a market for Trey Lance right now you gotta have him show a little something more so yep two of the three yep all right Mark Potts Garby in a question that's definitely for me um Tyler, <laughs> Tyler Huntley, Felipe Frank, Skylar Thompson, who's this year's late round or UDFA QB we should be hoping to pick up? Uh, I assume that's in the draft next year. Um, uh, first of all, I, I do want to, uh, um, I don't know whether to claim credit or not for Skylar and Tyler, <laughs> who are both uh, a, a fifth round rookie and an undrafted free agent in his whatever year were bad in playoff games but also were starting playoff games but not right not really through merit but kind of through merit you know um so yeah. um they I, they earned those backup spots they, they at, did at they're, the very least they're in the backup spots um so um this is turning into not a great quarterback class all of the guys i would normally say for this are not going pro like um uh, i still like grayson mccall he's going back to school and trying very hard to transfer, but not having success doing it. Uh, and like <laughs> Penix would be one of those who I think would fall pretty far. And, um, yep. and he's going back to school as well. Um, so I'm honestly not sure yet. I'm still doing quarterback work cause I'm still trying. I'm, uh, I'm trying to add a defensive adjusted component to QB OPS and I'm almost done with it. And, uh, I have eight million spreadsheets open on my desktop right now, and I'm trying to find the one that maybe I can give you a guy. Um, but uh, while I look, Dax, you got any late round quarterbacks yet so far in the draft?
1: We're unfortunately we're we're a little early for, yeah. for when my most of my draft research kicks in. I usually end up doing a lot the the couple of weeks leading up to the combine um, because I, I've been fortunate fortunate enough to uh, to get media credentials for the last couple of years. Uh, fingers crossed! I think we'll we'll have at least a a good Acme packing company presence again in Indy this year. Nice. So we'll definitely. Um, I'll be curious to see if you've got any guys that you've got uh, circled to make sure that I go find <laughs> the um, the late round projected guys at the the little private tables and see yeah. if I can get any any good one on one conversations with those guys. I will definitely do uh, so. You know, my but... big
2: problem is is I have my big spreadsheet, but I actually haven't um I haven't done the work to actually tag who's going in the draft yet um so so that's the thing like i can i can read down the list but i actually don't even know who's necessarily going pro on it yet and uh so i will i will get back to that question later on when we get closer to draft time but like the guys that i actually liked liked are all going back to school and um everybody else is a big name like i like stroud more than everybody else i think at this point but he's not a you know a down ballot guy at all and i hate levis like everybody else does too so everybody except nfl scouts apparently i guess you know what I, I i actually like stetson bennett even though he's an old man uh and small um, oh man he is uh he is a very accurate passer with halfway decent physical tools and will be a good clipboard holder who can like matt flynn you a couple games here and there i i
1: definitely agree with that that's i think his probably his ceiling is uh he, he's you know who he is he's chad henny
2: yeah, Chad Henney's a good guy. He's gonna be
1: Chad Henney in the NFL. I could I could see him playing ten years in the NFL as a uh you know, a veteran backup, a chad a Chad Henny or a Chase Daniel. Yeah.
2: So we'll go with that. Um, that works. All right. Uh, moving on to Patrick Detmer, not related to Tyra Coy except maybe. Um w- Six, I believe sixth cousin is what we landed on. Uh, yeah. where, where would you currently rank the Packers among their NFC North foes in terms of team outlook over the next few years, when considering roster makeup, cap space, and draft capital? Would you like to go first on this?
1: Sure. Um, they're they're number two behind Detroit, which is a weird thing to say, <laughs> but, um, but 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 I, I feel pretty pretty good about that. I think if Detroit really wanted to, they could get one of the you know top two or three quarterbacks in this class yep just based on the fact that they've got that rams pick sitting at i think i think it's number five yep it is um they could they could move up and and get a a stroud or somebody in that um you know basically who they're not the bears aren't going to trade back with them but they could probably get up to number two and get stroud um if they wanted to even if they don't um just the 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 talent level on that offense and and that offensive line that they've built um is is really impressive. And I believe they're they're very flush with cap space relative to uh, some of the other teams in the division, right? Like the Bears are ridiculous in 23. They have like 90 million dollars in cap space, but they also were the worst team in the NFL last year. I, uh, I I saw a, a great tweet from some, some Bears fans who were very excited about, uh, hey, Ryan Poles, you've got all this stuff, to, so don't mess it up. You've got the number one pick. You've got all this cap space. You've got a young franchise quarterback. And my only thought there was Do you? that young franchise quarterback led you to the worst record in the NFL and yep. the number one pick in the draft. So that's that's not a – that's not a franchise quarterback in my eyes. Anyway, uh so Bears Bears are down at the bottom. Um Vikings have less they the Vikings have more negative cap space than the Packers do yeah, they in 2023. It's incredible. Good for them. <laughs> it's nuts. Um and now it seems like Zadarius wants out of Minnesota from clearing out his Instagram and, and he's going all cryptic. Um <laughs> and, and and either way, right? Like the the Packers will have a either a young, talented, and unproven quarterback, which if he crashes and if Jordan Love ends up starting and crashes and burns, then you're in the market for you know a another yeah. young, you highly drafted yeah, quarterback. True. Yeah, exactly. Um, or you come back with Aaron Rodgers next year, and and who knows exactly what that offense looks like. But with you know, if Minnesota gets a normal number of breaks late in games then you're you're right there and you've got three teams that are about five hundred and you're kind of all jockeying for the, the same position there for the division lead. So yeah, I think it goes um I think it goes Lions, Packers, Vikings, Bears in that order. I agree. To me.
2: Um yeah, the the Bears are in a really dangerous position where They have a quarterback who is very easy to overrate, I think, based on some skills that aren't good long-term skills. And Justin Fields maybe will still be good, but he's got to complete some passes getting the ball out in under three seconds, and he just hasn't done it yet. Uh, That team is really, really low on talent, not not just like like way worse than Detroit was at their most recent low. There are barely any NFL caliber players on that team, especially on offense. The defense actually at least had a few hits in the draft last year, um, although they don't have any pass rush or defensive line or linebackers to speak of. Um, But the offense is nobody. Like the offensive line is all it's all retreads uh, that they scraped off the heap last year just to get competent. Um, And it looks one thing.
1: One thing I know you're going to be excited to see as as am I is how much money they give David Montgomery in free agency this year because his contract is up after uh, Um, in March. Um, I, I think I think they're going to grossly overpay him, um, to keep him in in Chicago.
2: I, I mean, that would be a very bare thing to do. I I think they've gotten smarter than that, uh, and um, you know, it's not the team that draft, it's not the organization that drafted him. It's new people. But uh, I mean, if they do, God bless them, they're just screwed. They should fire themselves Nobody if they do that. Knows, baby red. Right. Uh, from Brian Polakowski, uh, as of this moment, do you think Aaron Rodgers will be the Packers' starting quarterback next year? We get this question every week. So, um, what do you what do you think at the moment on Aaron Watchtex? No,
1: I agree. No, I say no. <laughs> there's, there's, it makes too much sense to for him to go to the Jets if he wants to come back. Um, because right, you think first, first of all, there, there's the flowchart, right? Yeah. Does Aaron Rodgers want to play again next year? Yes or no? Well, no, then you're good. If he wants to play next year, does he want to play in Green Bay? Yes or no? Then if yes, do the Packers want him to play in Green Bay yet, next year? Yes or no? So uh, there's too many branches on that that flowchart that lead to him not playing in the Green Bay.
2: Yeah, and they're getting to the point where the salary is going to make the decision for them. Um, as long yep. as as long as he's up for it, like he, that those options are crazy, and every year that goes by yeah. it makes it harder to bring him back. And they they have hit that point; they can't win with that anymore. So yeah, it's going to be no. Right. They're they're going to move on. It's going to be something else. All right. Big Rig asks, "What's the deal with Tom Clements? Is he still on the coaching <laughs> staff? Does he retire the moment Rodgers is gone?" I actually
1: don't I, know. <laughs> I, I, I read this in like Jerry Seinfeld voice, but um, no, he's uh, he started last year was his first year back with Green Bay, and they almost never sign assistant coaches to one year deals, so he is still under contract for for next year. Um, I don't know for exactly. How- how long? But um, the the third question: Does he retire as soon as Rodgers is gone? Is the the big one? Um, yeah. I could see him coaching Jordan Love for one year and then deciding, okay, now I am gonna now I am gonna call it. Yeah,
2: I think that's the most likely scenario. But uh, as soon as Rogers is gone, I think it's Clements will just shuffle off whenever he gets bored, mostly, or whenever success yeah. isn't there. So yeah, but apparently he's still there. Did not know. (laughs) All right. um, On to Twitter questions, where we find our old friend, the old man on a bike in Sherlington, who asks, who who doesn't ask, who states, "Uh, I'm just an old man on a bike who can't be bothered to ask Jeeves, so I'll go to RAE. When can the Packers officially trade Rodgers? Do we need to wait for the new league year? Can there be a handshake agreement before, or can we ship him to New York now? And there's sort of two deadlines to keep in mind here, um, and you only raised one of them, so... The, the first being the league year, which is it uh, March 15th? Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yes. All right. I, I actually learned something about league deadlines. Hooray for me. Uh, and then also, it's June- always a
1: Wednesday for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Uh-
2: and then also the June 1st deadline. So, um, and the short answer is no, they cannot trade him before the league year starts. You can do handshake agreements, but handshake agreements aren't always the best agreements, even when they do exist. So, um, nothing is official till the the league year actually starts and we will not get any announcements probably until that happens maybe maybe we'll know something in advance but i ain't trusting it until that actually happens even if we do um and then there's the bigger question of can we actually trade him before june 1st reasonably which i think is a more interesting question because it involves the return that we can get from him so um any any thoughts on on what might happen there yeah Uh,
1: i i think that practically speaking if it'll it makes sense for the packers to move him before the draft and i understand that that comes with a much bigger uh dead cap or dead salary cap hit in 2023 it's like 40 million
2: if they do that right and then if they wait till yep and it's it's
1: it's like 15 i think um just based on the way the signing bonus and stuff works out um but the problem is like i i i've seen people say can you do a handshake agreement before the draft with let's say the jets for example who pick 13th have the jets pick the guy that you want at 13 and then don't do the trade until june 2nd the the reason you can't really do that is that if you trade these guys i guess in theory you could do that but the player would not really get to um to do much participation in any of your spring practices your your rookie mini camps your otas and stuff because if you know you're trading him um you're not going to sign him to his rookie contract because if you sign him to that rookie contract then the instant you tra- the jets trade that player away um all of that signing bonus money is now due. dead money yeah. for the jets and it comes due and and so that affects you know that affects their cap um even if you you wait to sign the deal and just trade like the rights to that the contract rights to that player um that gets into some some squirrely uh league rules and things too so um you know regarding whether or not they can actually practice with the team and have to you know they get some sort of injury waiver and stuff so practically speaking um this this team if they trade if they trade rodgers i think they have to do it before the draft because they have to get those picks in this year's draft and it's worth the extra dead cap money now um because again it's it's if they do it after june 1st it's not like they only pay 15 million dead and it's done that's not that's not how it works you right. get 15 dead now and then 25, 25 dead in 2024 so you're just spreading that dead that dead money out over two years yep. i think the packers would much rather if they decide to trade him rip the band-aid off trade him now um take the the full dead cap hit this year and then you can also shift some of the the cap money to future years by restructuring other guys contracts and make up for for that additional dead money
2: right you'll probably have to if you take all that dead money on you'll probably end up going to the aaron jones well and the david bakhtiari well and Jair well hopefully Kenny Clark Clark, and Jair Jair,
1: yeah
2: yep to to make that all happen so that makes sense exactly all right from from Barton um is your desire to draft Stroud more about your lack of faith and love or your feeling that if Stroud drops to 15 there's too much value to pass up Mm -hmm. that's a question for me and uh kind of both. I still don't have that much faith in Love. Um, I have more than I did. He did look good last year in you know, the limited opportunities we saw him. I don't think he's hopeless. Uh, I think that quarterbacks can develop, uh, and he he does have the big arm. He has been in the system a while. So it's not like I'm like, he's definitely terrible. I want to see more of Jordan Love, and my biggest regret of last season is that he didn't get to play more than he did. Yep. Um, but I do think if, uh, from what I've seen of Stroud so far, if he falls like out of the top 10, I think that's kind of a bargain. Like you're looking at a potential Rogers situation at that point and you got to jump on that. Um, So yes, it's kind of both, but I think if you get a guy of that caliber, that low, then you at at the quarterback position, you need to do that.
1: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And, and he is a different type of quarterback than has come out of Ohio state in the last several years. Um, I think that's, that's important to note, and and I know people people will will go back to the well of Ohio State has put out a good NFL quarterback in ever God knows how long. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I, I I can't think of a single one even going going back decades. So, um, but yeah, he's he's a different uh, a different type of guy than any of the the previous ones. Mm-hmm. So I completely agree. If he's there in the teens, you you go for it, especially with the fact that. Um, that there's there is that much uncertainty around love and at that point then you probably end up trading love after the first day of the draft for day <laughs> day two draft picks at that point if i should say if rogers is still on the roster and is is in coming back in green bay and you have not already traded jordan love and somehow stroud falls to 15 you were then you were you were doing it as much for jordan love as as for your own um resource allocation
2: yep and and Stroud is so much different like everybody should go watch him play a little bit because uh he's not anything like Dwayne Haskins who I think is what most people think about for Ohio State quarterbacks right Right. now he is a completely different quarterback he is not anything like Justin Fields um who was a good passer at Ohio State but was definitely a big game hunter who even in college held on to the ball forever Stroud's Uh a very fast processor he gets the ball out very quickly he is uh uh, it, like you can't just say, oh, Ohio State quarterbacks are all the same. First of all, they're not like even Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields uh, have very different weaknesses. Drastically. To yes.
1: Uh, Massively different players. Right. Yeah. H- Haskins is one of the few guys in the last 15 years. And and I say this as someone who lives in Columbus, Ohio and, you know, lives with an Ohio State grad and, and has to watch uh, 10 to 12 Ohio State games a year. Yeah. Um, Haskins was a statue in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um Stroud is not a statue. He is not a Justin Fields, right. he is not a Jalen Hurts. You know, he's not that guy, but he is mobile. He can he can navigate the pocket. He's mobile I feel like in in a similar way to kind of how Joe Burrow is mobile, for example. And that might be one of the better comps that I can think of for Stroud coming out is um is Burrow. He doesn't have a super super strong arm. Uh, but he's accurate and, um, he's got enough arm strength that he can, he can make 98, 99% of the throws you need him to. Um, and, and I agree. I think he's a, he's a fast processor and I think he has a better chance of being a really good NFL quarterback than, than I thought about even Justin Fields.
2: Yeah. hundred percent agree with that. Um, I would recommend anybody go go watch him play Iowa, who had just a phenomenal defense this year, uh, the best defense in college football, and he wasn't perfect in that game at all. He did have a couple of mistakes, but you you can see in the second half he sort of realized there's not going to be windows. Um, I was going to be on my guys, and so I'm going to just throw it into tight windows all the rest of the game. And he did. So everybody go mm-hmm. check that out. The the whole draft process this year. I'm gonna hundred. I'm gonna do this a million times. Like, people said the same thing about Rogers and Jeff Tedford over and over again. And <laughs> the same principle applies. These are different guys. They have different strengths and weaknesses. And you just found a common thread that doesn't actually apply that well. All yep. right, on to oh, look who it is. Uh, Archon uh, asks, "What is what is your estimate as to the return? What the return would be in a Rogers trade?" Um, yeah. you, you go first. <laughs> would be or would be
1: or should be? Yes, um, would be. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think you can realistically get, uh, um, if if we're looking at the jets for example who pick 13 i think it's a first this year maybe a third this year and a first next year
2: that's almost exactly what i think what you I was have to say. get
1: <laughs> i think you have to get two top 100 picks this year and next year's first round pick yeah i think that's that's where i end up falling
2: um, right there with you two firsts and and another or uh two firsts yeah. and like a player are where i kind of land depending on who the yeah. other team is but uh yeah i yeah. think i think that's it and i think that's realistic
1: I know Archon really – I think he's mentioned the uh, suggestion of maybe trying to get Corey Davis as a a tack-on player in that deal. And the only reason I don't like that, the the receiver from the Jets, is just because he's got a $10.5 million base salary next year. And the Jets are probably going to cut him for cap purposes anyway. So just at that point – well, if you do the trade after the league year and after cap machinations – you know, take place. They'll probably cut him beforehand anyway, and and we won't have to worry about that in the first place. So, True anyway. enough.
2: Corey Davis doesn't do anything for me anyway. So, I... no. Yeah, he's
1: he's a he's a big body. He I think would fit in, you know, as a as a good blocker. Um, but he doesn't really move the needle as far as a receiver nope. goes
2: for me. Ah, all right. My friend Scott um asks if you were Aaron Rodgers and. Uh, and you wanted to contend with the Packers next year, which would you do? Take a pay cut to allow the signing of key players, (laughs) such as a good wide receiver, or refuse to adjust your giant cap it unless they fire Joe Barry. Uh, (laughs) So Aaron won't take less money, for one thing. (laughs) Um, Actual pay cuts are pretty rare in the NFL. I, I don't think they're unheard of. I think every once in a while you'll find a fringe guy, take one just to stay employed. But I like. First of all, I think if Aaron actually did it, that the union would yell at him for it. Like I don't, I don't think they'd let him. I, I legitimately don't think it would be allowed. But taking this in the spirit in which it's offered, <laughs> what do you, I mean? Taking a pay cut to get better players is something that maybe Tom Brady's done over the course of his career. So that <laughs> he could do that. Yeah. Like I, I
1: can't, I can't fathom a player having so much, so much clout over a team that that he would hold out if they didn't fire an assistant coach, especially an assistant coach on the other, other side, side of the ball yeah. or, or at a different position unit. Right. Um, that, that is uh, that is a, a fascinating idea to me, but I, I can't see a, a scenario in which it happens. But then again, um, with Aaron Rogers, I guess anything is possible.
2: <laughs> so it is. All right. Matt Ballman asks, how would you rank the NFC North teams next week? Three- hey, we already did this one. All right. Say, Matt, we already asked. Pretty
1: pretty pretty close. Yeah, yeah. I think uh I think that I think the answer to that is the same for me. Is, yeah, okay. It's so, still Lion Yeah.
2: Next, Lions next Packers. Years, Lions, Vikings, Vikings, Bears. 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 All right. I'm yep. with you on that. Yep. I, I will say I'm a I am i do not actually have a good sense of what the Vikings are gonna be in the future. Like I, I got some inkling on the Bears yeah. because it, there's a wide variance there are based on fields and the Lions have a good base. But the Vikings, I think, could go a whole bunch of different ways. So um, yeah. it, I'm That's really just fair. kind of counting on the fact that I think their front office is pretty astute and that they won't screw up too bad. But just yeah. that. All right, Blob, Blob Tunyon, great name, f- fantastic. Uh, what is normally expected of Ro- uh, what is normally expected of Rogers never happens. So, we, are we excited about him coming back? No. <laughs> Actually, that's a good question. Do, no. do you like? Do you want him back?
1: It, no, I uh, don't I, think I do. I, I think will... I I have I have emotionally prepared myself for him moving on, and I think at this point I, I would be. Uh, more annoyed with him coming back and and having to go through this whole rigmarole again for another another twelve months than if if we just finally cut the cord and and move on.
2: Aside from him being an annoying person, like I I just see Shanahan with like Brock Purdy and I'm like. Aaron, you're a problem. Like, the, the way you play does not fit <laughs> yeah. this system. You might be great. So you're great at hitting bombs and you're, you know, act whatever. But, like, the system works if you just run it properly. And you don't run it properly. <laughs> this is
1: why, this is part of why I, I so desperately wanted those, like, last five or six games for Jordan Love to, to get out there yep. and, and see if he's actually the guy. We saw those glimpses in that end of that Eagles game on Sunday night. And um we just never I don't think he took another snap the whole rest of the season. We nope. never got a no, he took a few no, he took a few in that Vikings game because that was a an, an oh, yeah, blowout. Thing. That's right. But uh yeah. <laughs> um but net but yeah, not in any meaningful uh settings. So um that's I, I agree. You mentioned it earlier, that's maybe one of your your biggest regrets of this season and the, with the way that it, it shook out and the way that it ended, uh not in the postseason, I completely agree.
2: Yeah, it really is a shame and it legitimately hurts the franchise. Like it's such a big deal to evaluate your quarterback and being robbed of a few games to do it is is genuinely harmful. So alas, yep. we're all just guessing. All right. Justin Gload yep. asks, Does Bucky make the big dance? Uh no is what I'm gonna go with here.
1: Um oh man. They only have four it's good players looking- and
2: they get hurt all the time, so
1: they they do. If if they stay healthy then and yes, if if any of Chucky or Tyler Wall gets hurt for any any length of time again, uh, then I'll say no.
2: I feel like like every day is like Tyler Wall is in or out. It's like a Jeff Petraikis <laughs> update on Twitter every day. And just like if he's out, yeah. I don't even bother to check in on the game because it, first of all, it's very boring and they will definitely lose. Uh, not a yeah. great season for them, unfortunately. Yep. Alright, and our so la- last... get have got
1: one of, uh, one of my good personal friends here, okay. Matt. Uh,
2: last question uh, from Matt Doc Harrington. What is your galaxy brain explanation for the final play of the Cowboys-Niners game? You- you this, wanted- is, this is all you. Alright, alright, alright. So, um, first of all, this is... I, I like this because I'm lateral play guy, and this was not a lateral mm-hmm. play because they didn't get the lateral off, but uh, lateral plays are very much like Tinkerbell in that they only work if you believe in them. And Uh, I'm guessing that first of all, this was, this was almost a legitimate lateral play. Like there's a very famous, uh, hook and ladder that I think the dolphins ran in the eighties and people kind of have that as their base hook and ladder play. Um, it's if, if you run it right and the defense is completely oblivious, it, it can even work. Um, but, uh, it it was just not well executed, and you could tell that the Cowboys were not into it. That they did not think it yep. was going to work. That everybody just went through the motions. Pass wasn't crisp. It was telegraphed. Um, it, it it didn't happen because um, a linebacker diagnosed their safety diagnosed it and just you know shot after the ball. J-
1: Jimmy Ward basically said, "I'm not dealing with this bullshit. Yeah. I'm ending this game <laughs> exactly. right now." Yeah. <laughs>
2: um and it was it was not the most creative hook and ladder play if you're gonna do that uh and I remain surprised that teams are so bad at this in desperate situations, but f- for one thing, like you could apply some science to this when you've got to go a hundred yards, there's only so much field a team can guard. you're going to be able to move through eighty yards of it fairly cleanly, and you can do your hook and mm-hmm. ladder at various levels of it uh but besides from that, like Boise State ran a like mega crossing hook and ladder that was a beautiful like deep you got to yep. go the whole field play that nobody ever copies like <laughs> it, it's ridiculous <laughs> but it, it, this this play was really like they didn't buy it the, the whole cowboys did some somebody on that offensive scheme was like this is going to work we're going to run this lateral play because it was like a real play that had clearly been practiced but the team was like yep. nope nope this is stupid it's not going to work it, it's and that's why it didn't work because they didn't think it was going to work
1: yeah, I mean Zeke getting not only getting getting the snap and then getting completely demolished by whatever <laughs> lineman lined up over him. Um that's one where running backs pass block moving forward, right? Or at least moving laterally and sort of forward towards the yeah. line of scrimmage. They do not pass block from a uh you know, from a a, a Two point or three point stance when they're moving backwards, and certainly not against guys that are seventy five
2: pounds heavier. Yeah, I think so. That that cracked me up. The better question: There were like eight guys downfield who shouldn't have been downfield too. Like there were a bunch of (laughs) non eligible numbers. I would love to know for sure uh, if any of them declared, and this was just a very like it was Zeke eligible on the play is is like my big question. No, right, he was not. And I actually,
1: I, I actually remember I saw a post about this this week, and they actually. Uh, the referee came over the PA and declared Zeke as ineligible. Ooh,
2: never heard because that Because he was
1: an ineligible. <laughs> I know. I, that's that's what caught my eye was uh, they declared him as ineligible because he was an eligible number lining up in an ineligible position. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. So, um, somebody on the
2: McCarthy's the- put a lot of thought into this because it had yes. Zeke ineligible yes. to get extra yeah. blockers eligible, and they were definitely like, those yep. blockers are going to get in front and make this big wolf, and, and that's, yeah. But no. Right.
1: That's, and that's exact. that's, that's, that's the only possible thing that I can think of with, with the design of this play, right? Is you've got these guys, the, the, the linemen way out on the outside on the left side, you get the quick pass to Turpin who theoretically laterals it back to somebody else coming behind him. And then he has four offensive linemen in front of him to, to just, you know, create Pick a wedge up. basically yeah. and, and move downfield. And then it turns into a, essentially a glorified kickoff return and you, Take your chances on breaking a tackle or something, and and making something crazy happen. So, anyway,
2: I think that's as much as I love it to thank- possibly get out of that. Yeah, thank, th-
1: thanks for that question, Matt. I, uh, I, I was, I was very excited to see that one come in.
2: I'm just glad I got to learn that Zeke was in fact not eligible because I'd been wondering <laughs> that. And I, yep, I don't listen yeah. to the sound now, so. All right, uh, on onto our lovely Discord, um, which I actually compiled today because Matt's not here. From Loco Pabs, the king of Discord, uh, will the Hackett hire work better or worse for the Jets than it did for the Broncos? <laughs> which is a really good question that the Jets should be asking themselves right now. Um, I, I think better because I think he actually might get traded. <laughs>
1: yeah, that I I think the answer is. I don't think it can work out worse. That's a good because point. Because yeah. he's because he's not in charge. Fundamentally, the the impact that an, a bad offensive coordinator will have, even though he'll be the play caller in all likelihood, uh, with a defensive minded head coach, um, the impact that 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 role can have on a team's overall fortunes and overall record is significantly less than the impact that a head coach will have, at least in in my opinion. And certainly with Hackett not having to deal with uh clock management and deciding whether or not to go for things on fourth down or kick 65 yard field goals at the end of games <laughs> um with with those t- decisions taken out of his hands, there's no possible way I think that it can be worse than it did in Denver.
2: So I got one. I, I have one way it can be worse. So okay. let's say let's say yeah. you don't get Aaron. Uh he he's come he Comes back to the Packers or something else happens. So you've got Nathaniel mm. Hackett as the offensive coordinator for your crappy team with your garbage quarterbacks that you currently employ. You also mm. have lost Mike Patton as part of this transaction. Um, who. Or Mike LaFleur. Mike LaFleur. Sorry, not Mike Patton. God. That, that's yeah. totally different. Yeah. You've lost oh. Mike LaFleur. <laughs> and, um, you know, Mike LaFleur might be really good at this job. And uh, that it, the Denver was not losing some great offensive mind to pick up Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, they were just moving on to a whole new regime. Uh, the Jets theoretically had a young, up-and-coming Shanahan disciple, and now they have Nathaniel Hackett. That's a sub- possibly a substantial downgrade that could impact your team yeah. for quite a while. So there's there's downside yeah. here for them on that hat. It
1: did shock me that they fired Mike LaFleur, um, if only because of the The fact that for large stretches of that uh, that season, they were at least a, a competent-looking offense with the ghost of Joe Flacco and whatever a Mike White is playing quarterback. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was just the the fact that they didn't like that they didn't score a touchdown in the last three games of the season with Zach Wilson at quarterback again that they just couldn't justify keeping him around. But there there are players on that team and they might have the offensive rookie of the year on that team in Garrett yep. um, and Garrett Wilson. And given what he had to work with a quarterback, um, I am very surprised that, that he didn't get a little bit of a longer leash.
2: I am as well. And I think that when you're forced to use a garbage quarterback, who's under rookie contract, that uh, you should get a little more slack than that. And that they looked competent despite that. And I think Zach Wilson's mm-hmm. atrocious so, and, mm-hmm. and whenever they were using a non Zach Wilson, they didn't look atrocious. They looked, you know, okay yep. for that guy. So, I, I think he yeah. did a pretty good job, and I think they might end up regretting this more than they may expect. All right. Yep. From uh, uh, Zurok asks mm. If you could add a Hall of Fame level talent to one position group on the Packers, which position group would you choose if you wanted your choice to make the biggest impact? Should we take quarterback mm-hmm. out of this so that I don't say a quarterback for this answer?
1: I yeah okay. I, I'm assuming that that's off the table because that's a <laughs> that's a no brainer. Um I have two and I'm I'm very curious. I, so I, I can I'm, go first. I might right. have to talk it out, but yeah. So mine is actually
2: safety. Um, that's one of them. Okay. Yeah, their their safeties I think are quite bad. It would be a large improvement especially over Savage, and I think safety is in in a underrated position that uh you you get a lot of bang for your buck there, especially especially on the top end. So uh, I would go. Yep. I think safety above all else. I think they have pretty good, uh, decent playing across. I I have an offensive one too, but I would do safety above anything on offense.
1: So. And, and I think that's where I have to lean between my two. Also, um, I, I've I've joked in the in the APC Slack recently, like, where is the Earl Thomas in this draft? That's the guy I want. I don't yeah. know who it is yet. Um, but but imagine the this team with an Earl Thomas or an Ed Reed or a Leroy Butler hell on, on this, this team, like that would be a complete game changer for this entire defensive scheme. Yeah. Um, And and that player does so many different things for you. Leroy, especially, right? Like thinking back to, to the, the, the contributions he made as a blitzer and as a, as a run stopper and as well as being an elite, elite cover safety. So, um, that's my number one. Uh, my number two is tight end. Hey,
2: mine too. All right, and, it's a sneaky yeah, answer though, so,
1: so I like it. Yes, it is. But it's it's a you see what the Chiefs do with Travis Kelsey and like one deep threat who is I think not going to be as good as year two <laughs> Christian Watson um, and a, a bunch of guys you know as as most of the rest of that receiving core. Um, Justice made the really good point, right? You've got the skill sets of in the the wide receiver room, um, but what you don't have is that that great blocking receiving tight end option who can who can do it all from an inline position, who can split out wide and um and really unlock so many different facets of of the offense. Yep. So, that would be my pick on offense, but if if I had to pick between the two, I do think uh, safety would probably be the way that yeah, would go.
2: I go safety too. Um, on tight end though, also uh, all tight ends are the same except for the five best in the league. And so, like Hall of mm-hmm. Fame, Hall of Famer at at that level gives you more bang for your buck too, because that is actually an yes. impact position when you have that level of talent playing it. Otherwise, it's. just... I, I also
1: think, you, is- yeah, you you kind of said the same thing. Safety is a little bit that same way too. Yeah, though. That's true. Is is the, the drop the the tier level between. Hall of Fame level to really good safety is very large. Same yep. thing with tight end. Yep. So.
2: totally. Yep. All right, and uh, rounding us out, Ryan Z, you can go back in time. You have one chance to alter the future of this franchise in a positive way forever. What move do you make?
1: <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, I've got a few, a few that I can I can think of. Um, we talked about a couple of them actually earlier, and. The the one I had coming in uh to to recording tonight was I I, I kick Nick Collins in the shin before week two of the twenty eleven season and like make him miss that game. And yeah, yep. he's he's healthy and and ends up maybe becoming yeah, you know, maybe being another elite safe uh Hall of Fame safety. Um part of me wonders if Maybe I say they re-signed Colin Jenkins instead, because <laughs> we just talked about that one a good little bit. One. Um, I think Nick yeah, is I the think, obvious one. I think, I think maybe that's
2: d- the yeah. Never acquiring Brad Jones is a good one.
1: <laughs> so I, I I don't know about that. I, Brad Jones actually gave gave the Packers some good reps in 2010 uh, as a as an edge rusher as a rookie. So I don't know if I'd go there. All maybe right. the Maybe the Joe Johnson free agent acquisition, but then again, bottoming out in the Mike Sherman era led to Ted taking over and Rogers and and Super Bowl uh, forty-five and everything there. Um, the other the other thing that comes to mind is which play in the twenty fourteen yep. NFC Championship game, and you can do the onside kick. You can do the fake punt or the fake, field, fake goal field goal from Seattle. I think that's the one. You, well, that's the Brad I, I'm Jones. I'm sure plan, there'll be. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the other one that you could throw in there was is Julius Peppers not telling Morgan Burnett to to go down on the on the interception. Um, I think
2: that one's a little overrated, uh, personally. I agree because and, and unless as, he scores, it, fun, I'm not sure it matters.
1: Yeah. The 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 easy one though is you know un- fairly or unfairly it's Bostic because if if the Packers recover that onside kick the game is, game over, is over and yeah. they win the game and they go to the Super Bowl so um, as much as I want to say the fake field goal the the onside kick is probably uh, probably the one that I go with.
2: Yep, I think that's fair. Um, I I've been trying to think of some things you could do in the giant games too, but I think that's a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, for for one thing those games weren't that close <laughs> there's not really one play in either you can really point mm-hmm. to that was determining a Cause... determining factor there um, yeah
1: i mean in, in 07 the if you take away the of interception there's still no guarantee that they go down there and and score and win the game true um so so that still ends up being a coin flip and yeah, in the, the 2011 game, I think you have a much better chance of making a meaningful impact with Nick Collins being around for an entire season and a playoff run than any one play in uh, in that game. Yeah, You know what
2: Giants. actually hurt them a lot that in 2011 um, also was Sam Shields getting concussed a lot. Um, he was starting yeah. to make his way into that lineup, and Jared Bush ended up playing a lot of third corner. Um, yeah he was actually in coverage on Hakeem Nix on his first touchdown um, in that game and um, blew the tackle. And if Shields is there, yeah. that's probably not the case. So that might be. Uh, here,
1: here's do. a couple. Yeah. Here's a couple other fun ones that I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, was it 2013 or was it 2012? I think it was 2012 divisional round. Yeah. It must've been 2012. Um, I think Micah Hyde dropped a sure pick six against the 49ers, in the playoffs, that would have completely changed the complexion of the game, um, and that was the one that Kaepernick ended up yeah, running yep. all over the Packers for a while. But um, there's another obvious. I, one I we do forgot think
2: about too. By the way, we could actually take. Uh, TJ Watt. Is it the Marseille?
1: Oh well.
2: Oh, that... oh God. Because we get TJ Watt and we don't yeah. have Kevin King, and uh, so we oh. don't have the Scotty Miller play, um, and you know a lot of other Kevin got... King plays.
1: Yeah, you could you could do that. You could do Mercedes fumbling last year in the oh, playoffs in San Francisco. Yeah. I know. That one um and then there was another one that I had um in one of the I think it was one of the San Francisco games, but yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's gone. Not there's Maurice there's too drink. many of that's those to yeah, there's too many of those to remember and I've had a couple too many pours of whiskey during this and <laughs>
2: A lot of Here sliding doors with like uh, with a few yeah. little breaks. Aaron Rodgers is Tom Brady, but that's not the world we live in.
1: So. Oh no! Here's another good one. Oh. The I know uh, it was a it was a wild card game, but the uh, the fumble that sh- if they actually called the face mask on the fumble oh, yeah. in the Arizona uh, the wild Arizona card game, game in 2009. Yeah. Yes. Uh that's a that's a whole different thing too. That, I'm, I'm that's a stupid game. That... Like
2: that's uh the Packers were oh, the number gosh. one defense in football that year and kudos to Eric. They were so good lighting the them 0-9. up, but uh oh, they probably yep. win the Super Bowl that year if they actually get past that game.
1: Yeah, I, I think they definitely beat the Saints. Um that was another one we talked about in this slack this week, was <laughs> they probably just roast that Colts defense. Absolutely over the Colts they do if they make it to the Super Bowl. So oh and so, yeah, so many different options that you can, you can choose from, but, uh, yeah, the, the onside kick or Collins, I think I, I, I gotta, yeah, I'd have to take a coin flip between those same two. Same
2: here. Same here. Those are the obvious ones. Yeah. Alas. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's, that's all we got um, for questions. So, uh, before we get out of here, uh, anything you want to plug on the site this week?
1: Um, nothing particularly urgent. We're just, uh, you know, we're we're working our way through the Super Bowl and then we'll start diving in on draft content. Yeah. I know Justice and, and Tyler will will have a lot of stuff coming on uh grinding tape and things. Um I'm hoping that the two of them and I will be able to to all get credentialed for the combine. And so nice. Hopefully we'll have a, a whole bunch of content for uh for everybody coming up that uh first week of March between podcasts and social stuff and uh clips of interviews and things. So um keep an eye out there. And, um, until then, uh, might be, might do a little roster review. I'll keep going through, uh, I guess the one big thing I've been working on is figuring out just how much cap space the Packers can push off into future years by restructuring (laughs) contracts. So I did, I did Kenny, I did Bakhtiari, I did Aaron Jones. Um, I'll probably do a, a Jire one. Um, maybe I'll try to dive into, uh, what we could, would, do with maybe a, a possible Rashawn Gary contract extension too,
2: nice. so um,
1: that's it's the cap stuff now to to see where we where we can get by March fifteenth.
2: Nice, uh, I am of course for the draft busy reinventing my statistics. So I uh, <laughs> I am actually done with defensive defense adjusted cube ops. I have the formula worked out for it. I learned how to write a Python scraper for uh college football reference to give me data for it and i'm just cramming it all together so i know who's played hard schedules and who hasn't and i can actually do that uh that has played into the cj stroud thing a little bit i i tweeted today that i was very sad to learn that uh grayson mccall who's like my favorite college quarterback yep. the last four years last year when he was 48 percent better than every other color than an average college quarterback played by far the easiest schedule in all of football <laughs> wasn't even close like uh and uh that makes sense so l- l- learn something new every day um i'll have rops out too and write stuff about that and i'm uh, getting that matched up for who's actually eligible in the draft but i'm not a fan of this receiver class so far they are all either bad big people or good tiny people and none of those are helpful um but uh yep so Everybody, keep an eye out for that. Uh, we're off on the baseball podcast this week. Um, we need a moment, and everybody in my family is sick. But we'll we'll be back soon on that. Uh, the baseball prospectus annuals are all out, and so we'll be back to discuss uh, what the projections all are for the Packer, or the Packers, the Brewers, sometime soon as well. So uh, enjoy the games this weekend. They should be good. We'll be back sometime soon with more football podcasts.
0: You can't be all that pretty